I am here today with my dear friend and former classmate and colleague, the Reverend David Dill. David, it is such a joy to uh, have this opportunity to speak with you this afternoon. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, would you tell our listeners just a little bit about your ministry context, a little bit about uh, who you are and where you are currently? Yes. Hi, Beth. It's great to be with you. Um, Beth and I go way back and we um, went to divinity school together and wondered what in the world we had gotten ourselves into <laughs> together. Um, and so it's, great. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be a part of this today. And um, Mary Alex, my wife and I used to live in Arlington um, in a past life when I was, um, I worked in television in Washington. I'm from Alabama, but in my mid-20s, moved to D.C. and spent about 10 years there working mainly with Discovery Channel as an editor. Um, and so we know that area well. And our first house we bought was in South Arlington. So it is a, it's a wonderful um, place of memories for us. And I'm delighted to be with you today. Um, I am currently, and for the past four years, um, am the rector of Chapel of Our Savior, with a U, Chapel of Our Savior with a U, um, in Colorado Springs, and it is a wonderful, um, wacky church that is really fun to be a part of, and so I am here um, with my wife, Mary Alex, who's a social worker in the public high school, and we have two daughters, Ella, who is 17 and does not need us anymore, and Lena, who is in eighth grade and also does not need us anymore. And they are thriving and kind of getting into the thing of having school every other day. Uh, I don't know how we're ever gonna go back to doing anything other than that, but it is, um, it is a weird time, of course, as it is for everyone. Um, but it, it, has its, it has its wonderful moments, um, most of these, nights of this past year, my teenage daughters have been in my sight, which is, um, there's some, there's some blessing in that. And it's great to be a part of this conversation today. Thank you so much, David. I, um, I miss you and the family tremendously. And so I'm so grateful to have you today. And I'm glad you shared a little bit about your, uh, your artistic background, if you will, um, your time in film, uh, your, your artistic lens on the world and on your faith is something that uh, shaped me and continues to shape me. Um, I always try and channel a little bit of David when I'm trying to do more creative things. So um, anyways, I, I'm really excited for folks to hear from you today. I you, let's, just, let's just jump in um, with this uh, ever so light topic of forgiveness. Um, as right, I'm right. Just a little something. Just a little just a something. Little something. <laughs> Uh, and the reason, David, I kind of mentioned, you know, this is one of the questions I get asked most frequently as a priest is not what are the theological foundations or the scriptural reasons for our call to forgive as Christians, but, but really how, how can I do this? How can I live into this call to forgive in my own life? Um, so that, that's why we're spending time. Um, thinking about it and talking about it and praying about forgiveness at St. Michael's during Lent. So I, I wonder if we might start, um, if I could invite you to just reflect on how this need to forgive and to be forgiven 
plays a role in your life and ministry? Yeah, it, it's, I think about, um, I'm going to mention our, our good friend Rowan Williams twice today. Um, <laughs> and and the, the first one is just, he has a wonderful kind of I, way of thinking about the liturgy and, and our worship together. And he says that the purpose of liturgy is to clear an open space so that God can do a new thing with us. And I, and I like to think about it um, just in terms of our gathered common prayer. Um, I, have a, um, I have a mother-in-law, um, as many people do. Um, and and mother, mother-in-laws get a bad rap sometimes and there's a stereotype like priests get a stereotypical kind of treatment sometimes but mothers-in-law get kind of a bad rap um stereotypically but I have the most wonderful mother-in-law and she is um a deeply deeply committed um follower of Jesus she is an Antiochian Orthodox Christian who lives down in Pensacola and Every year at this time when Ash Wednesday rolls around, and sometimes you have to correct the calendar because the Eastern and Western calendars sometimes sync up and sometimes don't. So sometimes this call comes a week early or a week late. Um, But every year since I have known her, she will call me and she will say this. If there is anything that I have done to hurt you in the past year, please forgive me. If there's anything that I have done in the past year to hurt you, please forgive me. And so that's kind of, that's kind of a a really interesting framing and gift and, um, and, and kind of, and, and has become a really helpful way for how, I understand and think about forgiveness. And I think about that MLK idea that forgiveness is not an occasional act, but a permanent attitude, a permanent commitment. And so life with my mother-in-law means that I'm, there is nowhere to hide with her because every 365 days she calls me and she says, if there is anything I have done to hurt you, please forgive me. And it's a deep commitment of the Orthodox um, understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And as we gather and worship together, if we're doing it right, and, and the Orthodox, again, take this very seriously, the priest very clearly comes out and says to the congregation before Eucharist, before making Eucharist, before doing anything, the priest comes out and says, basically, forgive me, a sinner. And then the congregation says to the priest, forgive me, a sinner. And so there's this clearing out of the of the space for prayer so that God can do something new. So that we are never doing the thing of bumping into each other when we pray. And see, here's the thing. We're always bumping into each other when we pray. There's nothing worse than a church fight. And yet our liturgy 
is always demanding that before we take these holy things, these holy things for holy people, these dangerous things that are full of promise for us and openness, before we get anywhere near that, we say, if there's anything I've done to hurt you, please forgive me. Incredible. What a gift. What a gift. Well, David, I'm just struck by her because um, when you talk about the liturgy, that's that's so familiar to me, right? And I think it'll be so familiar to so many of our listeners of, yes, of course, we say the confession every Sunday, but but her her initiative and her commitment to picking up the phone. And I ima- I don't know, I imagine you're not the only person she calls, right? That she she is actively doing this in her life. Um, I mean, that, that's amazing to me. And, and being encouraged by the liturgy in her church very clearly to do exactly that. Call all your people, right. be in touch with your people so that you can do the Lenten work of clearing the ground so yeah. that you can plant something new and see what's there. Yeah. The other thing that's really um, amazing to me about that and that we can kind of soft pedal sometimes is that we gather together and we're all in different places Mm. so we also have to be really easy with ourselves about that you know her answer my answer to my mother-in-law could be I'm not ready yet Mm. and that's an okay place to be too but the Lenten work is to get that going yeah. to get that conversation going. And so I think one of the really important things about forgiveness is that it doesn't mean getting walked on. Mm. It doesn't mean being taken advantage of. It's not, I got abused again. And so I forgive you. Um, it is not that at all. And so one of the real values of being a part of a community of faith is that we don't do that work of reconciliation by ourselves we go together we walk together as we seek that and as we try to be the people of forgiveness and reconciliation i love that david and i want to ask you um you used a phrase that that uh that's really intriguing to me you said we bump up against each other all the time in prayer tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that well, I think if we really are gathering, like I'm, I'm thinking about the Ash Wednesday. I mean, these just hit me. These knocked me out um, on on this past Wednesday, like I had never seen them before. Um, if we're really gonna get this, <laughs> if we're gonna get this party started, it goes kind of like this. And 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 for us who are church geeks, for everybody listening to this podcast, you are a church geek. <laughs> and for and for us as church geeks. We don't hear a lot of times the, 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 the bite of, of these things. Right. But listen to what we say when we gather on Ash Wednesday. We have not loved with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. And then it goes a little deeper. We've been deaf to your call to serve as Christ served us, we have not been true 
to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. And then on and on and on, our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to commend the faith that is in us. So, so the invitation of all of these prayers is to go really deep. And it brings stuff up and it means that we've got to be careful with each other and with ourselves. And we have to be patient with ourselves. And, and I love the, the um, instruction in the New Zealand prayer book. Forgive others. Forgive yourself. So to, so to get it going, we got to get in the mirror and, and begin to, to do that. And, 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 we, and in our common prayer, we, we say again and again, we haven't been true to the mind of Christ. And we grieve it. And we lament it. And, and, and only then, after we name that, and it's not, so I have arrived. I got it right this time around. It is, how did we not? How did we fail to commend the faith that is in us? Um, and so I think, I think if we can think about it in that, in that way of corporate prayer and remembering that we're all in different places and that we all go together in it. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful. Really helpful. Thank you, David. Um, I'm wondering if we, if we might kind of go to the other, the other end of the spectrum, if you will, um, what could you share a story about a time when the inability to forgive left a lasting impact, um, either for you or, or, a, or your community or um, just a story that you're familiar with, the inability to forgive left a lasting impact. Yeah, I think about it just in terms of um, the, the, the kind of wound of suicide mm. um, in, in our communities. Um, and the, and the ways that that, um, without getting into specifics, um, the way that, that that can leave such an open-ended wound um, that, that doesn't really seem to have, I mean, so, so a parent with a uh, teenage child mm -hmm. who um, experiences a child who dies by suicide, um, that, leave, that leaves an open-ended lasting wound that kind of goes beyond, you know, and it kind of, it kind of almost makes the Ash Wednesday kind of confession that I just read seem like, well, that was small potatoes too. Yeah. This. And, and so I think the challenge of pastoral caring of folks who are experiencing a kind of wound that most of us never have can be really difficult and and can kind of strain our prayers um i think about the time that i did a funeral suddenly for someone who died by suicide and i was kind of scratching through the prayer book looking for something that would work and there isn't anything there nope <laughs> and so you kind of have you know to 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 actually come alongside 
those that traveled away with us sometimes means that we have to invent some new prayers, yeah. which is a good thing to do. Um, and um, part of our hypocrisy and vanity that we lament in Ash Wednesday is that we've got the prayers for everything. <laughs> and so sometimes I think, I, I think about that. I think about the death of a child. Um, you know, if you have ever witnessed a father of a teenage girl weeping into the grave of, of his daughter who died three days ago, yeah. you know, there's, um, there's a depth to that that we that we have to honor over time, um, and, and and we don't need to uh, cheapen it with a bunch of trying to make meaning and trying to make theology out of out of things that are so deep and forgiveness is so far down the road. So I think about it just in terms of that um, that it might take five years yeah. before someone can climb out of the depths of their grief far enough to begin to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation. And we just have to be patient with ourselves and those that we walk with. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. And I, I'm, I'm struck by, um, when you offer that example, it seems to me there there's work we can do with forgiveness and the prayers that you've talked about. And then there's work in healing that only Christ can do. Right. I mean, I mean, there's, there is some of this work of forgiveness that is just too deep for words and sorrow that is, is too profound, um, for us to fully grasp and understand. Um, so I appreciate you giving that, um, just kind of the extremity of that example. Yeah. Yeah. The other, I'll, I'll get my other Rowan Williams out of the way right now. Yeah. Um, in his in his little book called Being Christian, which yes. is a wonderful little book. Wonderful. He, you know, he 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 kind of frames it with the prophet, priest, and king kind of thing from from scripture, kind of the definition. Who are we? Prophets, priests, and kings. And so part of it, yes, is the prophetic witness that is not fortune telling, but is prophecy is is calling us back to remembering who we are, who we belong to. And then the king part of it is that we are part of a royal lineage. We are, we are born and beloved of God. But the, but the priestly part of this is really a wonderful image. And that's all of us priests. We're all the priesthood of all believers. And so all of us wrapped up in this Jesus project are a part of a priestly commitment, which means very simply and terrifyingly, bridge builders. Mm. Priestly means the bridge builder between the everyday stuff of life and the holy. And the bridge is all about reconciliation. Yeah. There's no way to build that bridge. There's no way to walk across it or look at it or consider it if we are not the leaders in reconciliation mm-hmm. and the leaders in um, giving and, and um, bearing with, as Paul says, one another um, and not being so rigid and tight fisted 
but learning how to open our hands. And it means, Mm -hmm. like my mother-in-law, having the humility to say to everyone, not just your son-in-law, if there's anything that I have ever done to hurt you, please forgive me. I'm on a journey here of, of following Jesus and, and, and learning how to walk this way. And I can't do it without you. And that means that I need for you to give me the gift of your forgiveness. Yeah. Wow. So, so Priestley is bridge builder. And priestly means um, kind of first out of the gate to be a reconciler to others. What what has that what has that bridge building? What does that look like for you in your life? Can you give me an example? Um, I mean, oh, I would love- oh, 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 it's so it's it's always so hard and painful to yeah. actually do it. I usually don't do it. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like to keep myself protected. I like to stay on the riverbank (laughs) and look at the other side and watch that water rush and think about how glad I am that I am not taking any risks. (laughs) That's usually where I live, um, safely on one side. But I'll I'll tell a story about that. Um, when I was, I am from, I grew up in Birmingham and I was born in 1970 and I kind of grew up in Birmingham just as the kind of the visual smoke of all of civil rights was sort of clearing from Kelly Ingram Park, but certainly the, um, the underneath was just there of, and Birmingham is a wonderful place. Um, and it is, it is a place of so much strife and it's, and I grew up in the Methodist church and was loved into being in that church in such incredible ways. And so anyway, many years later, I come back to North Alabama and I serve a small parish in North Alabama a number of years ago. And we got the idea that we were going to invite the Methodist Church, which was African-American down the street, into a study of who are we? So, and and we took a study off the shelf. It's the Episcopal Church and the Methodist Church, and there's a wonderful study about just why are we two different churches? What's exactly going on here? And we, in Lent, did that study, and we would go to um, King's Memorial, United Methodist Church, on one Wednesday night, and we had a meal back when you could do that. And we had a book study and then we came to our place the next week and had a meal and had a study. And it was the most magnificent thing in the world. And it was so much fun. And it was actually hilarious because we were all white and they were all black. And we laughed about it. It it was so much fun. And their food was so much better than ours. And They sang so much better than we did. And we laughed about it and we enjoyed it. And we sang Amazing Grace together. And I I will never forget one of our lay leaders in our church at Good Shepherd on one of those Lenten Wednesday nights. We had had a big old service. We sang. We had a good time. We did our study. We ate. And we had, you know, we were trying. I mean, we brought some, we, we knew that it was on. So we brought some good food and we had a great time. 
and everyone from King's Memorial was getting in their cars to go home. And, and this wonderful woman in our church turned to me and she said, I think we're on to something. <laughs> you know, and it's fun. And it's fun. Yeah. You know, and it's like John Lewis is good trouble. And it's like, oh, this is this is really fun. So at the places where I've had the courage to get out the, the bridge building equipment and do it, <laughs> it's always it's always exactly the right thing to do. And it's always something where as you're cleaning up the kitchen after the party, you, you can't help but think, I think we're on to something with this. This is, this is really wonderful to kind of wade into the water of reconciliation and to talk about our difference and where we need forgiveness. And Beth, here is the thing about the church that we all love. We have every tool, every holy thing to be the people of reconciliation. There is no trouble that we can get into as we wade into that water that cannot be solved and addressed and reconciled with the faith that, that is in us yeah. and our sacraments and our bread and our wine and our oil and our water. Um, and our prayers, um, we, we are, we are, we have, and this is the thing that blows my mind. Jesus keeps telling us, you have everything that you need to do this. I am with you and I will always be with you. And this is John's poetry. I'm in you and you're in me. You can't even read the gospel of John because it's so tangled up. I'm in you and you're in me. God is all over this in front of you and behind you and to the side of you. So go out there and take the humility, the, the Ash Wednesday humus. Remember your dust and you have a limited frame to your days. So please go out there and be the people of reconciliation. Go get over yourself, David. Stop being so full of anger and hypocrisy and pride and vanity, put that aside so that God can live in you. That is beautifully said, David. And I, that reminder that we have all the tools, the tools are in our tools. I mean, there, there is nothing that we are lacking. And this, uh, this task of building the bridge seems so impossible, but I love your reminder that if we would just look in the toolkit, it's all there. Yeah. And, and we keep in, in the, you know, the wonderful wisdom of our tradition, we keep getting handed these seasons to, to, to practice it, to try it on, you know, maybe just gently. And usually we think about it as giving up chocolate, but it's probably better to, you know, to, to lean in a little further <laughs> and think about, you know, and it might just be uh, in thinking about forgiveness, um, just the, the kind of, the kind of work of thinking about praying about meditating over 40 days, maybe you take the whole season and don't come up with the answer, but meditate on these questions you're asking, you know, who is it that 
needs that call like my mother-in-law makes? Who, who is it in my life that is longing to hear that from me? Yeah. So that's a deep question and it might take the season. It might take 40 whole days to, to get, to get some, to get some clarity about that. And it might take 40 days of silence mm -hmm. of figuring out or, or what is it, you know, the maybe more important question, what are the things that I need to forgive in myself yeah. before I'm ready for where I'm going next and, right. and, and how I'm being called to build those bridges, those priestly bridges of reconciliation. Hmm. Thank you. I want to close this morning just by sharing with you this litany of reconciliation, um, which I don't, do you remember this, David, from our time in the Berkeley chapel? Um, we would pray it on Friday mornings. No, I, I, I never attended worship while I was in divinity school. <laughs> that is not I, I just, I just swore it off. <laughs> you were our faithful chapel minister. Um, <laughs> but I'm wondering if, if just in revisiting it, if there's anything that jumps out at you, any particular phrase or, um, uh, piece of it that strikes you as, as powerful. Um, just the, the hatred, you know, the hatred, which divides us. Um, um, and, and yes, and nations, uh, um, and, you know, kind of the the global kind of sense of, of that, but also um, it, it, it makes me, it makes me think about the unfinished business and maybe hatred is not the right word for what I'm talking about, but the unfinished business of a year of isolation yeah. um, in our, in our church community. Um, you know, I'm, I mean, we have a, we like you have a wonderful and vital church community that, um, our, our folks care for each other so deeply um, and and they're calling each other and they're checking in and they're trying to figure out who's fallen through the cracks and who's feeling isolated so often. But even when, even when we are doing that as, as well as we can and tending to the care of our community in ways that we've never ever imagined that we would have to do, what, you know, coming out of it, when we do gather again, um, I, I, I just hope that we can be patient with ourselves in a season of reconciliation. So that, you know, we, and, and there will be, there will be work to do in terms of listening to the laments of our community, the losses in our community. Um, at, at our church, our beloved treasurer, um, Barbara Lewis, who, who in Colorado Springs is a legend. She was a, a math teacher at the high school and everybody in town knew her. And she was a treasurer like none I had ever known. And this is kind of how this community is that I serve. She would come to me and she would shut the door and she would say, now, this is the treasurer of the church talking. She would say, David, don't worry about the money. Mm 
<laughs> and then she would walk out of my office. Um, so it's that kind of community. And Barbara Lewis, this fall, died. Mm-hmm. And we had a very small um, family graveside for her burial. And so the person who hosted the funeral receptions in our church for the last 30 years died without one. Mm-hmm. And so it's deep, you know, the, um, the kind of the losses that as a community that we haven't been able to come and gather and be God's people together in the ways that we want to. And I hope that we will take as long as we need in that season of reconciliation with each other, asking forgiveness for the ways that we ignored someone who was deeply lonely, Um, you know, and they can be things that we, we can't even imagine. And I hope that we spend that, that time in the wilderness of asking one another and, and, and making the invitation through this season, this last year of isolation. I, I know that I must have hurt you, maybe we say. I know that you must have felt alone or betrayed by me. Yeah. How could you not? Right. And, and please forgive me. Yeah. Instead of, okay, we got this. We're good. No, uh, we're changed. Yeah. And, and, um, and what have we lost? And what forgiveness do we seek in ourselves and, and those who, who travel with us? I so appreciate you naming that, David, because I think there's such an eagerness to, uh, and I'm going to say this in air quotes, return. Um, but, but if we can't acknowledge in the church the damage and the division and the pain that has happened in the last year, where in our lives can we take the space and the time to acknowledge that? And so I really appreciate you putting that right in front of us as um, the work that will be ours collectively um, to take up and to sort through um, when the time comes. I have one other little um, image that I want to um, yeah, please. I want to leave you with. Um, okay, so on on last Wednesday we did um, like lots of folks. We stood in the in the parking lot with ashes and um, and had a service later. Um, so our folks came by and picked up their ashes and drove them home. Um, and so I was standing out there in my church clothes in the parking lot for a couple of hours in our in our neighborhood and um and you know and so and our people would come by and they're like oh there's crazy you know david standing there and, and they, you know that was fine for them but then other people would drive by and they would they would sort of be a little they would be like what do we need to call the police or what's, what's going on out here but then one one um homely visitor came by and slowly um her, her window kind of cracked and she said, because she could tell what we were doing. And she said to me, are those ashes for just anybody? Oh. And, um, and I thought, what an incredible 
what an incredible question. I mean, it's like, it's like, hello, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's like, do you have anything to eat? Right. Um, and, and I, and I nearly just broke down crying right there. Cause it was such a wonderful, challenging question for uh, the priestly, the ones who dare to say that we're the priestly ones. Um, and the question is, can I cross that bridge? Can I, can I get in this game a little bit? Or do I need anything special? Are these for just anyone? Of course they are. And so again, it's really fun to, and, and, you know, and I was a little bit, you know, it was freezing cold. It was actually snowing, (laughs) you know, and I was kind of mad about that, but, um, even to come out five feet outside the church door, the holy visitor will come and ask that question. Do you have something to eat? Um, And that is such a wonderful privilege to be a part of that and to be in the place of privilege and stewardship to say, yes, right this way. You, You are a part of us. And you have everything that you need. Yeah. I'm so glad she found you. And I'm so glad you shared that story with us. Um, Thank you, David, so much for your time. Thank you for your joy and your faithfulness and your willingness to to share some of your stories with us. Um, I, I love you and I miss you. And this has just been so much fun. So thank you for spending time with me this afternoon. Thank you, Beth. It is so great to be with you and with your whole community. Blessed Lent to all of you and much love from your sister congregation in Colorado Springs. We love you. Peace. Thanks, David.